you, worship team. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, if you could turn to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 35. Mark 1, 35. It says here, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions were to, went out to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we already sense your presence here this morning. We invite you to come and join us again. And Lord, you said in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'd open the door, I would come in. And so, Lord, we pray as you knock on the door of our hearts this morning that we would open our heart's door to you, that we'd invite you to come in and join us in fellowship and in sweet communion with you. Thank you, Lord. Bless us this day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. So good to greet you this morning in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was about 10 or 15 years ago, there was a television show on the Animal Planet channel called The Crocodile Hunter. And it starred Steve Irwin. Some of you may recall that. But Steve was a very likable guy. But the entertaining part was that he would catch live and dangerous animals with his bare hands. Snapping turtles in nasty ponds, rattlesnakes, sharks, and of course, live crocodiles. Remember that show? Well, his show was fascinating because he eliminated all safety barriers. There was no margin for error. He just used his bare hands. No cages, no weapons, no devices. And as you watched that show, you would say to yourself, man, that that guy's crazy. I would never do that. But you would still watch the show anyway. Why? It was so appealing and so exciting to watch because... Well, because he was living life on the edge, wasn't he? There really was no margin for error on his part. Can you imagine someone swimming with wild alligators and sharks and crocodiles? And of course, being the guy that I am, there's this sort of this guy thing, right? Some of you guys can identify with that. You know, if if a guy is going to be eaten by a live crocodile on TV, I'm going to watch it, right? (laughs) Come on, you guys will watch it too, right? But you know, there's something entertaining about seeing someone stretch to their limits, whether it's their physical limits or their emotional limits. Look at some of these photos up here. You've probably seen them, these daredevil stunts or daredevil acts that people post on YouTube. You can see some of the extreme sports of bicycling down the steep canyon or snowboarding down that huge mountain crevice. Do you see that snowboarder there in that picture on the right? That guy's crazy. But it's exciting and entertaining, isn't it, to watch these guys being stretched, being stretched to the limit. And as fun as all that is, back here in the real world, there's nothing entertaining about watching people, particularly people who you know, get pushed to their limit. There's nothing fun 
about seeing someone's marriage get pushed to the edge. There's nothing fun about seeing a teenager, maybe one of your own teenagers, skating on the edge of morality or perhaps immorality. There's nothing fun about looking at your schedule and getting stretched so tight that you have to remember if you spent any personal time with your kids that week. You know, there's nothing fun about watching a friend spending and spending and spending to the edge of their financial resources. And then an unexpected injury or a bill arises that drives them to bankruptcy. There's nothing fun about that. But our culture, our culture says that it's okay to live there. It's okay to live right there on the edge. It's almost become the norm and and highly acceptable by the world standard to be living on the edge. But the reality is that you don't have to live there. God has a plan for us where he asks us to, to back away from the edge. You know, over the next several weeks, we're going to journey together and see how we can how we can make room in our lives, make room to find, to find some margin in our lives, some breathing room, a, a pace of life, a, a place of freedom. You see, we need to make room in our lives and create space for God to work in our lives. That's the name of our series, our sermon series that we begin today. Make room and create space for God to work in our lives. You guys notice that over there? See the clutter over there? That's design clutter. My wife put that together. She either, she, I asked her to do it yesterday and she did it. And when I came in, it was too nice. It was organized. The boxes were stacked real nicely, neatly. The clothes were folded nicely. And I said, no, it's supposed to be clutter. You just throw there. You don't have to like arrange it and make sure it's in the right spot. But see that clutter over there? Does it look familiar? Sometimes our house looks like that, right? Anybody else want to admit to that? Okay, there's a few honest people here. But you know, sometimes our lives are so full of things. Not necessarily all bad things. But sometimes our lives are so full of things that we become overloaded. That we become overwhelmed. That sometimes we become paralyzed. Our hectic lifestyle. Our busy schedules. The constant demands on our time and on our energy sometimes result in us becoming physically tired, emotionally drained, and, and relationally exhausted. And that's why we need to make room. We need to make some space to, to create margin, to allow God to do his mighty and miraculous work in our lives. Let me talk for a few minutes about the definition of margin. And there are several definitions of margin that I want to share this morning. The first one is, margin is that space, that space between your load and your limit. The space between your load and your limit. You look at this picture here. You see a couple of trucks, and they have a load on their trucks, right? There's some logs here, there's some guys in the back of the truck. That's a, it's a reasonable load, isn't it? So remember, the margin is the space between your load and your limit. Now, I want you to take a look at this next picture of these next few trucks. <laughs> you think there's any margin in that truck there? Can they put any more? I don't know if you can see this picture here. 
But there's a bunch of people on that truck on top of all that stuff. I tried to count them, and I'm sure there's the other side. There's probably at least 50 people sitting on top of that truck. You can't even see the truck. And, of course, this truck down here on the bottom right, it's way past its limit. Way past its limit. The margin is the space between your load and your limit. Another definition of margin is the amount available beyond what is actually needed. The amount available beyond what is actually needed. For instance, when you open a book, pretend that's a book up there, you see all the dark spaces. Normally it's white space on a white page, but it's dark because the the text is in white. But the margins, the space between the letters, the space between the sentences, we call that margin. Now suppose, because the next... There's no margin on either side. The words just kind of run together. Which book would you rather read? The one with the margins, right? You're more apt to read that book because there's some margins there as part of it. There's extra margin on an airport runway in case the plane needs to land and take longer to land or even to take off. There's extra margin on highways, on the side of the road. If you have to swerve and miss something, There's somewhere you can go that's not on the road, but it's sort of safe. That's margin that's built in there. And another definition of margin is this. It's simply this. It's the space between our current performance and what our limits are. For instance, margin is running, but not fast as you could run. My friend Kirby there, he probably runs a seven-minute mile, right? I don't know if he does. That's his max, maybe. But when he actually runs, he runs maybe at 8 or 9 or 10 minute pace. There's a lot more in reserve. That's what margin is. My daughter was asking, I don't quite understand what margin is, after she heard me in the first service. So I said, you know, when you went on your trip to Europe last year, they said to bring X amount of dollars. So you did. You brought so much money. But you brought extra money, didn't you? Just in case. I said, that extra money, that's margin. Just in case something happens, you have it in reserve. It's a good definition of margin. Margin means showing up 15 minutes before something begins. Margin is getting to the end of the month and still having money left over. Margin is getting into an argument, and even when others get angry, you have enough emotional reserve that you maintain your cool and you don't blow your top. That's margin. Margin is the extra space in your life, the extra money at the end of the month, this extra time you have when you get to work in the morning, the extra emotional peace you have when you get into a discussion with your spouse. Margin is that extra space between you and your date and the moment you might fall to temptation. Great margin there. But unfortunately, our tendency... Our tendency is to take everything as far as we can. Take it to the limits and even beyond. Take it to the edge and over the edge. Cram everything in. Overextend ourselves. Burn the candles on both ends. Push limits morally. Spend all the money. And when this happens, when this happens, we squeeze out margin. We squeeze out margin. So the question I have today is, so what happens when margin in our lives decrease? When we squeeze out margin? 
A lot of things can happen. I just want to leave three things with you this morning. What happens when margins decrease? Well, number one, when margins decrease, our stress level goes up. Our stress level goes up. Suppose you're running late for an appointment because you woke up too late, because you didn't go to bed early enough the night before, because you didn't get your clothes ready so you have to get up in the morning and iron it, because you can't find your shoes that you need to wear with that outfit. And so you jump in your car and you're already running late and then you hit traffic. Doesn't the stress level go up? Stress level goes up. Maybe financially. Money is tight. You really didn't save for a rainy day. But the rainy day hits. Unexpenses, unexpected expenses pop up. That stress goes up, isn't it? Because you don't have that margin. How about if you're in a dating relationship and you've set boundaries for yourself and then the other person seems to push those boundaries and push those margins away? Doesn't that stress you out? It was Jesus Christ who said in Luke chapter 21, he said, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with the anxieties of life. The Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 7, Cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You see, when your margin in your life decreases, your stress level goes up like crazy. Number two, when margins decrease in our lives, what happens? Our focus narrows. When we don't have a lot of margin in our lives, when we're constantly living on the edge, we become very self-centered. We become very self-absorbed. We become more focused. We usually say, well, focus is a good thing. But we become more focused on ourselves and on our own personal needs and our own personal agenda when our margins decrease. Our mental capacity shrinks. Our emotional capacity shrinks. Our compassion capacity shrinks we don't look out for others because we're only looking out for ourselves when margins decrease we start just focusing on me myself and I and then the third thing when margins in our life decrease this is what happened relationships suffer relationships suffer when you're living your life without healthy margins You're not fully engaged in relationships. You don't have quality time for those important relationships that you have. Your mind is somehow always preoccupied, so you're zoned out in the conversations. And you know, there's a direct correlation. There's a direct correlation. Here's a correlation. Quality time equals quality relationships. Quality time equals quality relationships. We all know if we have relationships of any kind, whether it's with your spouse, your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, that relationship won't go anywhere unless you spend some quality time developing and nurturing that relationship. And so the correlation is very simple. Quality time equals quality relationship. But if your margin is decreasing, you won't have that time. The reverse is true as well. No quality time equals no quality relationship. 
You see, you can be listening to everything that the person is saying. You can be nodding at all the right times. And then you realize you haven't heard a single word they've said. That happens, right? You're living without margins in your life. You see, I've seen it happen so many times. Lack of margin destroys marriages. Without margins, you can't listen and and really empathize as a parent. Without margins, you cannot adequately give and take in a mutual relationship. And here's the key. Relationship happens in the margins of your life. Let me repeat that. Relationship happens in the margin of your life. So maybe this morning, maybe today is a wake-up call for some of you. Maybe you're getting too close to the edge and God is saying, you got to come back. Maybe your margin capacity has just been decreasing and he says, you've got you've to get more margin in your life. So the question I have this morning is, how do you create more margin in your life? Just three simple suggestions. I'm sure there's lots of ways to create more margin. But let me just leave you this morning with three simple suggestions. The first one here, you'll see it up on the screen. How do we create more margin? Is to put space in your schedule. Put space in your schedule. The word sela, S-E-L-A-H. It appears in the Bible. It appears mostly in the Old Testament. It appears 71 times in the book of Psalms. And this word selah comes between passages of scripture, which sometimes could be sung as songs. And so these, this word selah comes in between verses, verses of the song. And what this word selah means, basically, it means to pause. After you sing a verse of that song, or you read a passage of that scripture, it says to pause, selah, to stop, to listen, to be silent, to allow the words of the Lord to speak to you. So the word sela means silence. It's kind of awkward, yeah? We're not used to silence. But God's word tells us, you've got to stop. Stop with the busyness of your schedule. Intentionally stop. Take time. Pause. Be silent. Let the word of the Lord minister to your heart. Sometimes we get so busy. And even when we're supposed to be in a quiet moment, you know our minds are going like a million miles an hour. Right? Right? It's not easy to stop and pause and be silent. But Jesus Christ himself is an example. And he's a model for us. We read in Mark chapter 1, and Major Debbie read that earlier this morning. After a very busy, busy day. After a very exhausting day of teaching and and healing and, and driving out demons. It's a very busy day. And you can read that passage of scripture in Mark chapter 1. It says in verse 35... Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Jesus had a super, super busy day. People were coming at him, and he was teaching, and people were trying to touch him, and he was healing them. And they said, Jesus, come to my house. My mother-in-law is sick. Can you come and heal her? And just a lot, a lot of demands and a lot, a lot of pressure on him. But he had the margin. He had that margin to be able to handle that and probably so much more. And then he went back to the source the very next morning. He went off to a solitary place before anyone else got up. And he spent those precious moments with his heavenly father. And if you read that passage on further, it says as soon as he went out, people went looking for him. Peter and some of the other apostles came and said, Jesus, where are you? Everybody wants you. So he said, let's go off to another town and let's teach and preach and, and, and uh, uh, cast out demons. So he had another busy day in front of him. But yet he took the time to spend with his father. That's how he's able to handle that. He created margin in his life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, says this. And this is, this is Jesus' words. And he says, but when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You don't have to announce to the whole world. Go into your closet. Go into your room. But spend the time with your Heavenly Father. You see, Jesus was intentional about spending daily time with his Father. That's how he created margin in his life. And that's how we need to create margin as well. It takes discipline. It takes intentionality. It takes commitment. Remember, quality time equals quality relationship. Quality time with God equals quality relationship with God. It creates a margin. Now, I'm sure this is not new to most of you. It's not rocket science. But it's a reminder. We need to focus on our relationship with Jesus Christ. If that means we need to spend time, quality time with him. Make it a priority. If there's nothing else that you can remember from this day, remember this one thing. Spend time with God on a daily basis. So put space in your schedule. Number one, how else can we create margin in our lives? Number two, I must prune my life regularly. See, it says it up there, prune my life regularly. I want you to uh, read that phrase, prune my life regularly. You know, you guys just use the word prune and regular in the same sentence. Did you guys get that? Probably some of the younger ones don't get it. The older ones, I see you chuckling, right? Prune, regular. That goes good. That goes well together. I must prune my life regularly. John 15 says, and this is Jesus speaking, he says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. He just doesn't cut off the old branches that aren't producing, but even the good ones, he prunes it back. Why? So that it can be more fruitful. So you see, pruning is good for us. Pruning is good for us. Prunes are also good for us. 
But notice what Jesus says in verse 2. And I pointed it out already. Even the good fruitful branches he prunes. And the reason why is so that we can produce even more fruit. So pruning is good for us. You know, we tend to keep adding things to our lives. I think that's just the way it is in the world today. We keep adding more things to our lives. A new hobby, a new interest, a new club to join. Our kids have to play soccer. They have to play basketball. They have to do gymnastics. They have to take music lessons. And the list goes on and on and on because we don't want to miss out on anything in life. But Jesus tells us to prune. Not to just keep adding things to our life, even though they may be good things, but to subtract some things as well, to prune some things off. Don't clutter your life with so many things that it prevents you from being fruitful. You know, we used to, uh, Debbie and I used to do this when our kids were younger. Every time they got a new toy, whether someone gave it to them or we bought it for them, every time they got a new toy, they had to get rid of an old one. That was the law of the land. So if you got a new toy, you always get rid of an old one. You either give it away to someone else or you throw it away. And we didn't just keep accumulating more and more and more toys. Kids can only play with so many toys. And you know, it it worked. And it used to be the same in our household with clothes and shoes Every time we got something new, we'd give something away that was old. But somehow, for some reason, we've gone out of that habit. <laughs> you know how it is, right? It starts a good habit. And so we need to do that again, right, Debbie? <laughs> so I can see my wife right now. When I get home today, she'll have a huge pile of old clothes and shoes, because I hoard shoes for some reason, ready to give to the Salvation Army thrift store, Right? The ARC. Are the ARC guys in the house? All right. Mighty men of the ARC. But you see, we need to prune our lives regularly. But not just of the material stuff. You see, because we also carry around a lot of other baggage that needs to be pruned off. And why? So that we can be more fruitful for God's kingdom. So what do you need to prune out of your life? What do you need to let go? What clutter do you need to take out of your life? So you see, creating margin, we put space in our schedule for the Lord, we prune ourselves, our lives regularly, and then the third thing, as we come to a conclusion this morning, is how do we create margin in our lives? To do less and trust God more. To create more margin, you don't need to do more. It's not another thing to do. You actually need to do less. You need to do less. But trust God for more. But trust God more. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, one of my favorite verses, and I have this plaque in my office. It says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom. And seek first God's righteousness, his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you as well. If you read some of those previous verses, it talked about what shall I eat or what shall I wear. And the Lord says, look at the birds of the air. They don't worry about what to eat. Look at the flowers of the field. They don't worry about what to wear. 
I, your heavenly Father, take care, take care of them. How much more do you mean to me than the, the flowers in the field or the birds in the air? I'll take care of you. But just get your priorities right. Just put me first in your life. My kingdom, my righteousness, my values. If you put them first and make that a priority, you don't have to worry about anything else. I'll take care of you. You put me first, and I'll take care of the rest. So do less and trust God more. So how do we build margin in our lives? Simply put space in your schedule. Prune regularly. Do less, but trust God more. I'm going to call the worship team to come forward. And my hope and my prayer this morning, as we uh, bring our service to a close, my prayer is that I want you to live your life with margins. I'm not sure what's going on in your life. Maybe you're just kind of living life close to the edge. Maybe your reservoir has been depleted for whatever reason. Sometimes it catches us unaware. This is something we just don't normally think about. Sometimes it just happens to us. Sometimes you need an outside perspective or someone else to come in and say, hey, what's going on in your life? Well, hopefully this morning, I want you to live with margin in your life. Because you see, as you, as you squeeze out margin, as you squeeze it out of your life, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you tend to squeeze God out of your life as well. Remember, relationship happens in the margin of life. I'll close with this. There's a a, a picture up here and a verse. It's a very well-known picture of Jesus knocking on the door. And the verse is from Revelation 3.20. And it says, Behold, Jesus is saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and, and and eat with him and he with me. Jesus is knocking on our heart's door. The other day I was home alone. I think I must have had some music on or something else was going on. But apparently someone came to the door and I didn't answer it because I didn't hear it. Later on I discovered it was the delivery man. He delivered something from Amazon. When Debbie came home, she said, Hey, how come you didn't answer the door? And I said, I, I don't know. I didn't hear it. The doorbell. I must have been too busy. I must have been distracted. Are our lives too busy? too cluttered we're too distracted Jesus is knocking on that door hopefully you can hear him knocking and you notice on this door there's no handle on the outside of this door there's only a handle on the inside so only on the person on the only the person on the inside can actually open that door Jesus is knocking and he says hey I love you I want to come in I want a fellowship with you. I want to get into a deeper relationship with you. I want to be your close friend. I want to have a good time with you. And he's knocking. And our response is, Lord, I'm too busy. Go away. So this morning, as the worship team sings, maybe you need to create more margin in your life. Maybe you need to answer the call. 
or answer the door because Jesus is knocking. As they sing this morning, you consider what's been said. If you want to come to the place of prayer, you're welcome to do that. I just want to pray in your seat. Spend a few moments in silence. Perhaps renew your relationship with the Lord. Look at your life. See if there's enough margin. Allow God the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today. Let's pray together. I'd like to pray for you this morning. I just want to slip up your hand if there's a need in your life or in your heart. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that we can come to you at times like this and bring our needs to you. There's no shame. There's no embarrassment. Because, Lord, you just accept us the way we are. You don't condemn us or judge us. You just say, I love you. My grace is sufficient for you, you tell us. And so, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for those that are at the altar praying. I thank you, Lord, for those who've raised their hands. I thank you for those who requested special prayer. Heavenly Father, you know exactly what's taking place in their life and in their mind and in their hearts and their circumstances. So, Father, they turn to you and they ask you and they believe in faith that you are a good God who loves them with an everlasting love. You are a God who has a plan and a purpose for their lives. And at this time, Father, they're just reaching out to you. So, Father, I thank you for each of them. I thank you, Lord, because you love us so much that you, you come to us on a daily basis. And you knock on the door of our hearts. And you just say, I want to come in. I want to be close to you. I want to go through life with you. And we want to enjoy this experience and this journey together. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. For the times that we're unfaithful, you've always been faithful. You've always been there. So, Lord, we thank you for that. And so, Heavenly Father, for those who, who raise their hands, I pray a special touch, a special blessing on their lives. As they bring their prayers or their requests to you, I pray, Father, that you would grant them wisdom and discernment. I pray, Father, that you would provide for their needs, whatever they may be. If it's for healing, if it's for comfort, if it's for guidance, if it's for direction, if it's for forgiveness, Lord, you encompass all of that, and we lift that up to you. So, Lord, thank you again. Thank you for the reminder that you are a great God, and you love us with an everlasting love, and you love us so passionately and so compassionately as well. Thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.